Hey, welcome to North Village Church. My name is Michael, one of the pastors here. It's good to be with you in person. It's good to be with you online and super excited to get into God's Word. We're going to finish off our DNA series uh, today. This last Sunday, uh, we talked about the importance of serving our community, engaging our community now more than ever, right? We can't send out love to the world. We can't just exist online. We got to find people and we got to get in hands-on people, right? Our, our hearts, our hands around people and love specific people. And then two Sundays ago, we talked about the importance of centering our lives on Jesus, under the lordship of Jesus, that he's the, the one making the decisions in our life. And then today, we're going to talk about the importance of loving one another. And so this is our vision, right? North Village Church is a family. We're a family. That's what we're going to talk about today. This is something, it sounds simple, like, yeah, of course, church is supposed to be a family, but it's hard. It's hard to build family, right? If you're a new mom and dad having kids, like, that's hard. It's hard building the culture of a, of a family. It's even harder to build the culture of a church family because I'm not talking about a worship service. I'm not talking about, you know, just waving to somebody on a Sunday or chatting to somebody in a chat room online, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about a church family of men, women, and children who are deeply committed to one another. It's one thing to, to gather people who look alike, walk alike, talk alike, vote alike, you know, make a club. It's one thing to start a club. We're not starting a club. It's not a meetup <laughs> with similar interest. We're talking about gathering men and women and children who come from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different hobbies, different experiences, different political perspectives, different education, different socioeconomic, and, and building family. That's what we're after. That's why we are a family is one of the three main things we chase after in our vision. And today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to focus on three subpoints. We are family, we are eternal, and we rally around God's word. I've asked our very own Kay Tooley to come read our passage today. So y'all give a round of applause for Kay Tooley. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. We're going to dig into it. It's a good passage to jump into. Uh, let me give you some context to help us all stay on the same page because, you know, when you do something topical, you always got to be careful. You're just kind of jumping into the passage. And so the book of 1 Peter is written by the Apostle Peter. I know. Write that down. That's the kind of insight. If you're watching online, that's the kind of insight we're going to bring you at North Village Church. Peter is towards the end of his life. He's writing to men, women, and Jesus who are living under a tremendous amount of persecution under the Roman emperor Nero. Nero was famous for persecuting Christians. He required uh, all citizens to live for the fame, name, 
and, and, and uh, a glory of the emperor. So you can imagine how disruptive it is when, when people start talking about the fame, name, and glory of Jesus. Right? It led to a tremendous amount of persecution. Uh, this is a painting by Henrik Zimmerzik in 1876 of a party that Nero might have thrown. And if you look at the top right corner, those are, those are Christians tied to a pole and they're about to be lit on fire so that at night they can provide light to the party goers. Christian candlesticks. That's a real thing. This is the context of First Peter. And as a result, the men, women, and children are living under a great amount of fear, a great amount of doubt. And the Apostle Peter is writing to encourage them in the gospel and encourage them in their commitment to one another. And this is so important for our church family right now. Right? With COVID-19, haven't you seen your relational circle shrink? Right? I mean, now more than ever, we need to be reminded of the importance of our church family. And, and, and as, our, as, our, as our relational circle shrinks, I mean, that's, that's great and all, but what we're going to see in God's Word is that our relationship with God isn't just our immediate family. It's the, the family of God, and that we got to stay focused on that in this season and nurturing our relationships with one another. And so that brings us to our first sub-point, we are family. We are family. I know you're thinking of the song by Sister Sledge. I got all my sisters in me. We are family, right? No? Yeah, well, look at verse 22 again. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Now listen to me, it's so important because we're jumping right into this. Chapter 1 is exploding with gospel goodness. And if we're not careful, we could jump into verse 22 and it could just sound like a command. It could just sound like a be better type of command. You know, you're supposed to be nice to one another, love one another. It's like those moments you might have had with your siblings growing up. You get into a fight. Did you have that moment you got in a fight with your siblings? Everybody's crying. Your face is all red. And then mom and dad are like, now hug each other. And you're just like, oh, like I hate this person, right? So we need to remember the Apostle Peter has been exploding gospel goodness in verses 1 to 21. And then verse 22, it's in light of the gospel, in light of the new life in Christ, fervently love one another. Why? Because we're family. Well, we aren't family because we have similar interests. We aren't family because we live in close proximity. We're not family because, you know, we uh, know all the inside jokes. We're family because in obedience to the truth of Jesus Christ, our souls have been purified for a sincere love of the brethren. How do we get purified souls? Peter's slicing in the gospel. How do you get purified souls? Jesus takes our sin at the cross. By grace through faith, he gives us his righteousness. We are cleansed. We are purified for a sincere love of the brethren. That word sincere comes from two Latin words, sine sera. 
Sine Sarah, Sine, S-I-N-E, Sarah, C-E-R-A. Sine meaning without, Sarah meaning wax. Sine Sarah, without wax. In the ancient days, merchants would sell pottery, and if their pottery had some cracks, they would fill in those cracks with wax and then paint over it. If the pottery had some flaws, you cover it up with some wax and then paint over it, and then you sell it. But reputable merchants would hang a sign over their pottery so as to say, Sine Sarah. It's without wax to inform their customer that their pottery was genuine. In our church family, when we talk about family, we're talking about pursuing Sine Sarah type of relationships with one another. We're talking about family relationships with one another. And you watch the news right now, our culture is all about like love and compassion and justice. Come on, that's just on the surface. We know below the surface, our culture is all about the cover-up. It's all about never let them see in your sweat, right? Putting your best foot forward, being pretentious, plastic surgery, looking the part, playing the part. I mean, that's what we do in our culture. But in Christ, Jesus has come to cleanse us from being dishonorable jars. That's how 2 Timothy 2 describes it. Dishonorable jars honorable jars so that in Christ we have nothing to hide, right? Sine Sarah. Isn't that good news? It's so important for our church family. It's possible because of COVID-19, social distancing, our relationships, the circle's getting smaller. And it's possible that we're thinking to ourselves, I like it. It's easier. Less to manage, right? Especially for our introverted people out there. Our introverted people are thinking to themselves, like, this is nice. I got two people I have to talk to, right? But don't forget, in Christ, we're family. Our relationship with God is not, it's not just you and Jesus, right? It's not just me and Jesus hanging out. It's great to have a spouse. It's great to have children. It's great to have that immediate family. But when you look at Scripture, our relationship to God is plural. When you read 1 Peter on your own, you're going to see plurality. You're going to see brethren. He's talking to brethren. He's talking to describing the, the people of God as a nation, as a people, as a people of God, as a temple. So we must remember that. We must remember that in this season, our relationships might be getting smaller, but as a church family, we need to work toward even harder of staying connected to one another because we're family. It's harder now, but we're still family, and we want to pursue sine Sarah type of relationships. Let's talk about that second sub-point. We are eternal we are eternal. you got to remember we're eternal because pursuing sine Sarah relationships are hard. Right, Asa? They're hard, right? It's hard. It's hard being in a family. You rub up against each other. You annoy each other. Oh, it's hard. But let's remember, our relationships are eternal. Look at verse 23 again. For you have been born again 
not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That word seed in verse 23, that's a biblical reference that I'm, I'm not sure is going to resonate with us today. But what that word seed is doing is it's throwing us back to Genesis 3.15. And I know it's COVID, but come on, track with me. Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Genesis 3.15, that's a foreshadowing. That verse right there is a foreshadowing of the gospel to come, and it's describing two types of seed. Between your seed, that's all of humanity. All of humanity is born into sin as a type of seed. But there's also another seed, her seed, all those who are new in Christ, so that Genesis 3.15 is pointing us to two types of seed. And then look at verse 23 again. The apostle Peter writes, Pulling in that Old Testament. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. Come on. And our first birth, we're born of perishable seed. But in our second birth, in Christ, we are born of imperishable seed. You with me? In our first birth, all of humanity, first birth, it's born into that, that, that perishable seed. And think about that, perishable seed. Perishable seed is fragile, right? You may not be into planting as much as I am, but seeds are very fragile. Right? If, you, if, you get, if a seed gets too much water, it's useless. If it doesn't get enough water, it's useless. If it gets too much sun, that seed will burn up. If it doesn't get enough sun, it won't root. Perishable seeds are very fragile, right? And in, in our relationships with people, it's, it's a perishable seed. I mean, it's like every offense, every hurt, every wound. It's just scar and hurt and pain. But the Apostle Peter writes, In Christ, we're imperishable seed. An imperishable seed can overcome any challenge, Right? Can overcome any challenge. So the Apostle Peter writes to those who are getting beat up. Literally, lives are being taken. They're full of fear and doubts. And he says, you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, not of seed which is fragile that wilts easily, but you are born of imperishable seed in Christ. Isn't that good news? And we got to talk about plants. It's a good day. Do you see the hope that gives us in our relationship, in our family relationship with one another? There's so much hope in verse 23, being born in perishable seed. There's so much hope because it's hard building sine sera type relationships with each other. We get our feelings hurt. We forget to call. We don't respond to a text. Somebody didn't like our image on Instagram. We've literally taken the time to see they liked everybody else's image, but they didn't like our image. Does that mean they're mad at us? Is that why they didn't invite us? To, I mean, that's what we do. We're so, we're so easily hurting one another. I'm not overlooking that. It's incredibly difficult. We get frustrated. Like, why do you keep calling me? You call me too much. You always call me. Literally the next day, how come you don't call me? You don't call me enough. You never call me. I mean, it's just so it's challenging, right? But in Christ, there's no relational offense that we can't overcome. Yeah, it's challenging. 
But Jesus has paid the price. We are born not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. The weight of the offense has been removed. The sting of the offense has been destroyed. In Christ, there is forgiveness. There is reconciliation. There is an eternality in our relationships with one another. Right? That eternality, it builds in us a perseverance. Because every apology, every hangout, every prayer, every tear, every frustration, none of it's wasted. It's all for eternity. Yeah, that's so important for us to hear right now. As a church family, I mean, we are at all-time high of stress overload. Spiritually stressed out, emotionally stressed out. We're probably not physically stressed out, right? There's, you know, but everything else just overloaded. And it makes it so easy for us to uh, experience friction with one another, to experience to- toxicity with one another, to get offended, to push people away, to become apathetic, to disengage or just give up, to tell ourselves, it's just me and Jesus. But God's word is reminding us that it's not just you and Jesus. There's family, sin a Sarah type relationships, and it's for eternity. Let's look at our third subpoint. We rally around God's word. Well, it's common in our culture today to hear that we rally around things like ethnicity. We're going to go to a church where everybody has the same ethnicity. We're going to go to a church where everybody has the same political views. Or we're going to go to a church where everybody mountain bikes, you know, because I got to be around people that mountain bike. Like, we think that kind of stuff. I got to be around people that are like me. But what we're going to rally around as a church family is we're going to rally around God's word. Look at verses 24 and 25. It's bonus. Kay didn't read these verses. It's bonus verses. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. If you remember at the end of verse 23, right, the focus is on the enduring word of God. Verse 23, and then he, he pivots to verse 24, and it's a quote. It's a quote from Isaiah in the Old Testament. And when Isaiah is written, it's being ruled by the Assyrian Empire. And it's, it's wrecking shop. It's creating some havoc for Isaiah and the people of God. But, but you know what happened to the Assyrian Empire? It's gone. The Assyrian Empire was doing a lot of damage in Isaiah's day, but the Assyrian Empire is gone, and the word of the Lord endures forever. That's why we rally around God's word. If you were caught reading God's word under the Roman emperor Nero, you could be beheaded, you could be burnt, you could be boiled. Roman Empire, it's gone. Word of the Lord endures forever. In the 1600s, Voltaire said the word of God would disappear in a hundred years. Voltaire is dead. The word of the Lord endures forever. In China, the first thing the government would do would take the word of God from the people. Do you know in China today, there are more 
men, women, and children coming to faith in Jesus than anywhere else in the world. You know why? Because the word of the Lord endures forever. Super Bowl champions disappear. Actors come and go. Fashions fade. Diseases. Well, you know. Cars break down. Houses fall apart. One day COVID-19 is going to be something we read about in the history books. One day. And the word of the Lord endures forever. That's what we're committed to as a church family. We are committed to sine sera types of relationships with one another, right? Being honest, authentic with one another, encouraging one another. And it's going to be hard. It's going to get frustrating. It's not going to be easy. But every step we take with one another, it's eternal. And while we're taking those steps, we're going to rally around God's word. I have found that you can come from any background, socioeconomic, education, financial, ethnicity, in any part of the world, and sit around God's word, something exciting can happen. That's what we're going to rally around. So on Sundays, when we gather to worship, we're going to rally around God's word. And God's word teaches us over and over in the Old Testament and New Testament, it's important to gather Right, So if you're watching online and you can come at 4 p.m. and gather with us in person, we need you. Come. If you can't, I totally understand. But if you can, come and let's gather and let's sing and let's encourage and let's rally around God's word together. And then in our community groups, we're going to take our church family and we're going to break into these groups. Our community groups have been the strongest part of our church family in this season because we get to We get to gather with people. Even if it's online, on Zoom, we get to get in each other's eyes. And we get to encourage one another. We get to pray for one another. We get to open up God's word. And it's not just to learn information. We're not just talking about God's word so we can get smarter. We're talking about God's word so that it can lead to application and transform lives. And living under Jesus' rule for our lives so that it stirs in us a chase of compassion of every man, woman, and child. Like, that's what, that's what we want to happen in our community groups. And then even within our community groups, there's our initiate groups, three, four people getting together, going deeper into God's Word, studying it, praying for each other, encouraging one another, pointing one another to the vision of our church family, of coming under Christ, chasing after every man, woman, and child. That's our vision as a church family. That's as clear and simple as it gets. We're going to rally around those three things, and then it's going to come to our Sunday worship, our community group, and our initiate group. And what we have found is that when, when you do that, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, When you do that, you experience something pretty exciting. You experience experience what our culture is talking about. What we have found is that if you commit to Christ and you commit to a local church, that something explosive happens that you experience what we're talking about on the news. Right? When you watch the news, stay with me on this, we're talking about compassion We're talking about justice. We're talking about love. We're we're talking about 
you know, acceptance and, 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 and righteousness and beauty. Like we're, those are all biblical concepts. And it's kind of awesome that our world is talking about it right now because it's like, it's like the, the fingerprints of God are like echoing off their uh, soul. Like it's like God calling out to them like, you want these things, like, but you can't manufacture those things on your own. Our culture is talking about these words like you can go down to 7-Eleven and pick up some patience and justice and compassion and a big gulp. You can't. These are monster-sized words, and it's being lived out. I don't have to convince you of this. Like you see in Seattle over the summer, like this Capitol Hill autonomous zone. Like this is not a slam on a political party. This is just, just the reality of humanity. You have these people in Seattle. They're under this idea that, that they're going to gather this utopian place on earth. No cops, no rules, just love. A free speech area where people get to express their opinions freely. There's a vegetable garden and there's a clothing, you know, hand-me-downs. Like, it's, it's like, it's going to be amazing. You know how long it lasted? Three weeks. Three weeks before people were murdered, raped, bitterness, jealousy, and the thing falls apart. Like, that's not a, that's not a political statement. That's a humanity statement. Like, no political party is going to be able to accomplish these God-sized words on their own. Does that make sense? It's only in Jesus Christ. Jesus comes and he takes our sin at the cross. He gives us his righteousness. We are transformed. But you can't just do it in the gospel alone. It can't just be you and Jesus. It isn't just you and your immediate family. You need to take that gospel and plant it in the commitment of a diverse local church. And when that happens, there's going to be friction. There's going to be frustration. We're going to annoy each other. That's called sanctification. That's called growth. That's called shedding away of death and brightening the light of Christ. That's what's possible. That's what's possible in the beauty of the local church. But if you just if you just pursue it on your own through politics or education or some other form, it'll never happen. If you just try to make it you and Jesus in your home with your immediate family, it'll never happen. You know why? Because we become desensitized to one another. We're too kind to one another. We're too forgiving to one another. It's like our, 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 our senses, like they're olfactories. You know, your smells. You ever walk into somebody's home and you're like, what's that smell? Like they don't smell it because they've been in it. They live in it. Their olfactories have been desensitized. We do that with one another. So if you just stay with your immediate family or like two, three friends that you've known for decades, you're going to get dull. You're going to miss out on power and transformation. You need the diversity. You need the commitment. You need the different people. You need the friction. That's the beauty of the local church. That's what we're trying to pursue. Like, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't know where you are online. But listen, you're invited to come to Jesus, not just a, a, a gospel experience, but to be implanted and committed to a local church. And I promise you, you will experience something really powerful. If you're here today, if you're not experiencing the power of Jesus Christ, I just want to ask you, are you keeping the people of God at a distance? Are you allowing different people to get close to your life to create that friction? 
Because the local church is beautiful. The gospel is beautiful. And we're all invited to respond. Won't you do that? And close your eyes. You bow your head. Well, Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for our church family. The, the men and women and children that are part of North Village Church, like I know they resonate with everything we've just been talking about. There's not a person in North Village Church that's coming here for the amenities. There's not a person in our church family that's looking to just check off their religious duty for the week so they can go about their business. And so first and foremost, we thank you for the people of North Village Church. You have gathered men, women, and children that want to know you, that want to be sharpened, that want to grow close to one another and close to you so that it results in a, in a, in a, in a dynamic love and mark of this city and community around us. So we praise you for that. We humbly ask you to build on that. We humbly ask you to strengthen us in that, to increase our numbers in that, to increase our commitment to one another. Help us to see where we are pushing each other away. Help us to see where we have kind of been lulled to sleep in our, our relationship with you and our relationship with one another. Help us to be as vibrant and explosive for your glory as possible. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.